Waka. Hello, I'm B. Nicole, and this is Buried on the Tundra. I wish to acknowledge that I record this podcast on the ancestral land of the Yupik Chupik people. I acknowledge this is not only in thanks to the indigenous communities who have held relationships with the land for generations, but also in recognition of the historical and ongoing legacy of colonialism. Additionally, I acknowledge this as a point of reflection for all of us as we work towards dismantling colonial practices. Before we dive deep into the details of Gabriel Fox's case again, I just wanted to mention that Gabriel Fox was removed from his mother's household in 1968. This was 10 years before the Indian Child Welfare Act was adopted. Um, Once the Indian Child Welfare Act was adopted, it is now custom to find housing in the tribe if there is available for any child that is removed from the house by OCS, the Office of Children's Services. Back then, they would place them either in um, the children's home or they would adopt the Alaska Native children out to white families in the lower 48. Today's episode is a revisit from a previous episode. Looking back at the disappearance of Gabriel Fox, I have just finished the book The Fox Boy. It was written by Gretchen Brink. She was a social worker in the YK Delta from 1968 to 1970. She was only three weeks into her career in 1968 when she was called to see Judge Nora Gein and the judge told her that she was going to remove the Fox children from their mother's custody and place them in the Moravian Children's Home, located eight miles away from Gwithuk. Now, Gretchen didn't feel comfortable just removing children from the home, so she said that she would go and check on the children and their mother and see what is actually happening in the house. The judge was very persistent with the mother is a known drunk in town and that she is always at the bar. The second issue that the judge had was that 12-year-old Gabe was out of control. He had gone to school drunk and had fallen out of his chair. Gretchen arrived at the house, which was only across the street from the courthouse. Inside, she found Gabe, who was 12, his younger brother, who was 11, and his seven-year-old sister, home alone. She left a note with them for their mother to contact her. In total, Gretchen visited the house three times before having to tell the judge that she had never been able to meet their mother and Judge Gein told her that they had arrested the mother and that the next day the state troopers were taking the three children to the Quithuk Moravian home. Gretchen didn't want the children to be scared and so she wanted to accompany them to the home. 
and the judge allowed her. So after the judge said she could go with to the Moravian Children's Home, she walked across the street to prepare the children for what it would be like in the next morning when the police came and brought them to the courthouse. When she got there, Gabe was hiding and she had to find him. And then she went over kind of the basic details of where they were going, how they were getting there, and what it was going to look like the next day. The next day, they met at the courthouse. The judge went through the process of telling everyone that the children would be going to the Moravian's children's home. And then they, the state trooper, the three children, and Gretchen climbed into a six-seater airplane and flew to the Moravian children's home. When they arrived, Mrs. Hinkleman met them at the airport. She mentioned that they were all going to get baths and get their hair cut. And unfortunately, Gretchen didn't have much time before the state trooper said it was time to go back to Bethel. Now, according to Gretchen's timeline, it was a week later when the state troopers said that Gabe had disappeared. Gretchen felt very strongly about going to search for Gabe because it reminded her of when he was hiding on one of her visits to their home and she thought that she would be able to find him. Unfortunately, they told her she was not allowed to go with. Gabe's mother left food outside of her home in case Gabe ever made it back to Bethel. Joanne, Gabriel's sister, doesn't believe that he became a lost spirit, but that he had passed away on the rivers or tundra. If Gabriel Fox was still alive today, he would be around the age of 66, 67. Gretchen had a very guilty conscience after Gabriel went missing and she felt that the community had begun to blame her because she had removed him from his mother's house. All of today's information came from the book The Fox Boy. It's by Gretchen Brink. She covers her time with Gabriel Fox in here, but there's also a lot of other information about Bethel during 1968 to 1970, which was at the beginning of the Alaska statehood. So there are a lot of changes that she does talk about, and there are a lot of other interesting facts and great stories that she shares. So please, if you would like to learn more about this region, this book is a great read. You can find case pictures, source materials, and a case map showing you the locations of each of the villages I've talked about. Go to buriedonthetundra.com.
You can follow me on Facebook at Buried on the Tundra. You can also follow me on Instagram at Buried on the Tundra Podcast. Like, subscribe, review the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Next week, we'll look at the case of Chanel Lockwood. If you'd like to suggest a case, please send an email to buriedonthetundra at gmail.com.